just where is God in the midst of this? Why me? Uh, why three times? Welcome to the Search in Your City podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Larson. And today we've got the privilege of talking to my friend, Ken Schultz. Ken is the area director in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I really wanted you to hear Ken's story. Um, he's a, been a personal friend for the last seven or eight years. And just getting to walk with him in this season of life as a friend is something that uh, has been meaningful to me and that I wanted you all to experience as well. Because what Ken has been through in the last handful of years is instructive for us right now. So, Ken, I just want to welcome you to our podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you, Blaine, and it's a treat to be here. And uh, you've probably heard me say it before. I have expertise in an area that nobody wants expertise, and I think that's what you've invited me to come talk about. Well, it it is because right now, of course, our country is going through the pandemic with the coronavirus and we're thinking about health. Uh, We're seeing a number of people die. uh, Just it's going up and up every day. I think there's a level of anxiety about everything that's going on. And I just thought you would have something, uh, you'd have a perspective to share with us that's different because you've got an expertise in a different kind of health crisis, and that's cancer. And I think there's some lessons we can learn from you in light of what you've been through. So I just invite you, Ken, would you give us a little bit of your story related to your cancer? I will. Um, it's actually an 18-year story, May of 2002, I had some symptoms that eventually got me to a doctor, and he highlighted that I was badly anemic and started looking for places that I might be losing blood, and I wasn't losing any blood. And uh, he came into the room after looking at some blood numbers, et cetera, and apparently having made a phone call, and he said, I'm referring you to a hematologist. Well, I thought, okay, blood, hematology, that that makes sense. And he left the room after a couple minutes, and then he came back a minute later while I was getting everything put together and closed the door, and he said, Ken, I need you to know that every hematologist is an oncologist. Well, he had my attention at that point, and uh, no one ever wants to connect the word cancer to their own journey, and I didn't either, And but that really began the process of going to an oncologist and trying to figure out exactly what kind of cancer we were dealing with, and It turned out that it was a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and at the time, the doctor said, I give you three to five years, it will significantly shorten your life. The good news is that there was an amazing, pretty much new drug on the market that I took a couple of months later, whatever, when we started the treatments, 
no side effects, no nothing that made me sick or feel bad, and it almost immediately began to remove the cancer, and it really was a wonder drug, and so we're really, really grateful for people who had the capacity to create that, and so over about a year, I took four rounds of the drug, and the cancer was gone, and 12 years later, it came back in the fall of 2014. I took one round of treatments that year, and it took the cancer away. And here in the last now month to five weeks, we've discovered that it's come back in an entirely different form. And it's still a lymphoma. We're still actually waiting for final diagnosis, I got a call this morning from the hospital about setting up another biopsy on a tumor on my kidney. And uh, I went, I called them back and they said, well, actually, we don't know if we're setting anything up right now. So we're in limbo and it creates its own set of tensions and questions and that's what we're living in, in in the moment but it brings back everything we've dealt with for the last 18 years and uh, just where is God in the midst of this why me uh, why three times and uh, it, it obviously creates a faith tension that invites me to say either God is in control or I'm in worse shape than I thought I was. But if he is in control, why can't he take this away? And so that's been our journey, and that's where we are right now, believing unconditionally that there's a good God out there who could take it away. I even thought recently one morning, I thought of the leper who came up to Jesus and said, if you... If you're willing, you can heal me. And Jesus said, I am willing. And he healed him. And I prayed that prayer one morning and said, if you're willing, you can heal me. And uh, I didn't get the same answer. And I had to pause and say, not my will, but yours be done. And that's where we're living right now is uh, just waiting for what's next and walking through the process. Would it be helpful for me to uh, back up to 18 years ago and some of the first questions, Blaine? Yeah, I think that would be really helpful, Ken, because I was actually wondering on that initial diagnosis, what goes through your mind in the hours and days and weeks immediately following that. And then I think what I'd also like to know, Ken, if you could answer this question is how do you reconcile these statements you've made about God being good and you know God loves you, and yet you pray this prayer that you see in the scripture, you see Jesus answer it, and he so far hasn't answered it, at least in the way that he did in that story. How do you put all that together? I'd love to know all of those things. I would too, but I'll try. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, one morning early uh, after I was first diagnosed, I, I had one morning where I was really feeling sorry for myself, and I prayed, God, why me? And uh, I, I can say with integrity, it's 
maybe the only time that I have asked that question over the 18 years. And because the response, it was one of the few times in my life where I thought I'd crossed a line and uh, I'll, I'll call it my ear of faith, but I felt like the Lord was upset and said, why not you? And I started thinking of a whole bunch of friends, you know, from a guy whose wife was eight months pregnant to uh, another guy who was about to get married and just, you know, my kids right down the line. And I felt like it was communicated to me, don't make this about you. I'm doing something here and I'm inviting you to trust me. Don't make this about you. And I, I think I'm, I can say with integrity, I've, I've tried to live that out to trust that God is doing something while at the same time wishing he would use someone else, uh, but he's chosen to use me. And so it does push to two different pictures there. One is just believing that God is in control. We live in a broken world. Broken things happen cancer being one of those. I don't think that it's punishment for some sin that I committed or some negligence on my part. I think it's just the reality of things are going on in our world like this pandemic right now. That's not just the judgment of God. It's just things get out of control. We live in a world that isn't what God had in mind. And we weren't created for a world that is this broken which, of course, gives us the hope that somewhere down the line, things change. But in the midst of it, it's also a call to live life in this broken world. And the anchor in it all for me, Blaine, has been, I absolutely unconditionally believe that I am the beloved of God. That's another long story, but I, it's been over 30 years, and I don't think I've once doubted that God loves me. I have thought on occasion of the old Gary Chapman book, The Love Languages, and the premise of the book is that you learn to love your spouse or your kids or someone else in the way that they want to be loved rather than the way that you would be most comfortable loving them. And I've had many conversations with God saying, I don't like being loved this way. <laughs> I know you love me, but I would prefer to be loved a different way. And so in the midst of it, to hold on to God is doing something here. God is in control. I'm not a, a one who believes that God is micromanaging everything. And there's a lot of freedom in this world. And my freedom is to choose to believe that he's going to do something here to help me become the person that I was intended to be. And second, to use my experiences of life and God to encourage others in their faith journey. And I think that's been the part this time around. The, the question that I kind of had is, really, Lord, a third time? Are there not other people that you could use to model this faith journey? And I kind of felt like, uh, like Job, where God said to him, and Job, when was the last time I asked for your advice? When did I ask you how to do something? You just trust me. 
And so that's the anchor for me is I, I believe that God has called me to trust him and to believe that everything that we're offering to other people, real life in a really broken world is possible even when there's a coronavirus or cancer or other really, really painful, disappointing things that God wants to draw us to himself. And the final thing I I would add in that is that cancer has taught me to pay attention to days. Uh, One morning I was looking at Psalm 118, and this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I think it's the 24th verse. And I wrote that down in a journal as this is God's day. It's my opportunity for joy. And joy is always a choice. And I choose to live in joy and peace and hope because I believe the promises of God to be true and that one day everything gets better. Wow. I wish we had another hour that we could spend talking. Ken, I've got so many questions for you. Um, Just there's so many things you said there that, I mean, I want to think on and apply to my life, and I hope they've reached out and touched everyone that's listening as well. Um, On just a final note, maybe a question we could end on here. So as I'm hearing you talk, there's a sense in which what you're saying is there's a we're all we're all going to die at some point right and it's you didn't say it this way but but i mean whether you get a diagnosis and you've got some kind of lead time where you feel like you might kind of know when that's going to happen or or just living life there's no guarantee any of us are going to make it through today for all kinds of reasons this uh, coronavirus notwithstanding and so uh, when I'm hearing you talk, it just reminds me that there's this big question. You know, what happens when this is all over? And what you've got is a assurance and a, a certainty of what that is. And, and you're facing reality that at some point, you won't be here. And we all have to face that. And so what, that's a long setup to just say, what encouragement can you give us, everybody listening, to have this kind of, of certainty and, and assurance of what lies beyond this life? There are actually two quick thoughts that jump to my mind as you ask that, Blaine. The first is, Jesus said, I came that you might have life, life to the full. He didn't come just to give us what I have often described, and I'm sure I stole it from someone else, a get-out-of-hell-free card. This isn't just about the other side. This is about this side and figuring out how do we live life to the full here? How do we do life with God in these days, however many we get? Because as you say, None of us knows how many we get. And so if we only spend our days looking forward to heaven, we're probably missing out on our purpose on earth. 
And so that's the first thing that comes to my mind there is to live life to the full, to experience everything that God has in store for us, some of which is going to be very painful and difficult. There's no pie in the sky promise in the Bible that everything is easy for a Christ follower. But it is that anchor of hope that there is something on the other side. I I have a friend who believes that when you die, there's just nothing there. You just turn into dust. And I said to him one morning, you're living by as much faith as I am. And he laughed at that. And I said, no, you don't have any proof. Because if there is nothing on the other side, certainly nobody has come back from the other side to say, yeah, there's nothing over there. At least I have the hope because I know of one person who crossed over to the other side and came back and said, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? But I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you might also be. That's the invitation of Jesus, that we can be where he will be And he proved that to me anyway by coming back from the dead himself when he said, I'm going to do this. And that's hope. That's rock solid for me. And I'm more than grateful to be able to build my life on that. Lots to think about, Ken. Thank you so much for sharing everything you've shared briefly about your story and some of the things that you've learned along the way. Incredibly helpful and uh, just grateful for your time here on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Blaine. Great to be with you. And I want to thank all of you for listening on a little programming note. This Monday, we'll have our second in the series that we're putting together on fear with Dr. Joel Householder. So be looking for that. And then starting next week, we're going to move to three podcasts a week, Monday with these specials and then Wednesdays. And Fridays, I'll be interviewing different members of our staff. These first couple weeks, we've had the podcast. We've tried to put something out roughly uh, daily, so we're going to move to three a week starting next week. And I sure do hope you have enjoyed these podcasts. If you do, please share them with your friends. Please subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you've got a question, comment, thought, suggestion, whatever, send it along to us in an email, podcast at searchnational.com. And until next time, thank you for listening.